This morning's scripture comes to us in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, we, will, we will be in Luke for uh, the next few weeks. Uh, we are focusing on how uh, Jesus teaches through real life, real world uh, examples. Many of them are called parables. Others of them don't quite uh, fall in that status uh, uh, because of the, 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 the type of metaphorical teaching. But it all is focused on seeing the world, seeing the good news through that lens. And so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 11 this morning. Uh, short scripture uh, from Luke uh, 11, 33 through 36. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together uh, hear the word of the Lord. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar, but on the lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. Your light is the lamp of your body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if it is not healthy, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, consider whether the light in you is not darkness. If, you, if then your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be as full of light as when a lamp gives you light with its rays. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word offered to us in its reading and its hearing. So we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving for your holy word and for the wisdom contained therein. We ask, O oh God, that you would uh, be present here in this space, in this time, as we uh, dwell on your word and strive to, to learn from it and live in it. We ask, O oh God, that you would open our eyes, that we would see, open our ears, that we would hear, open our minds, that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will, open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know this. Whenever I was in college, I was in uh, the choir, the Centenary College Choir. And, uh, and, and we were a choir that was filled with all sorts of different uh, rituals and traditions uh, but, but you know, like if you go to a concert uh, and, and you really have a great experience uh, at the end of the concert, when you get to the end of, uh, of what is expected, you start clapping a little bit extra hard, right? And everybody stands, you get the standing ovation, everybody's clapping, everybody's clapping, all, all of that is expecting what? An encore, right? You're expecting an encore. You're expecting, hey, keep going, right? Like, and if you're at a concert down at uh, Cynthia Wood Mitchell's Pavilion, like, like everybody's like start chanting the band's name and, and like you're just going nuts trying to get them to keep going. You're like, I've had such a great time. We want this thing to keep going. And so uh, the Centenary College Choir had an encore piece and, uh, and, and we, we ended up doing an encore piece almost every single time. And what was interesting about it though, it wasn't just one encore piece, it was actually uh, a double encore. It's like we were super proud of what we had just done. We, we expected to do two encores, not just one. And so we did a really upbeat encore and then at the end of every concert, if you've ever seen the Centenary College Choir, you would know the Centenary College Choir, uh, whenever I was in the choir, over 60 students would leave the stage uh, or if we were in a, in a church, leave, leave the platform of the chancel, and we would like go all the way around the congregation. 
So if we were here, we would, we would go out by the curtains and behind the curtains, and then the, the, the first people that lead would join hands at the back, and we would, we would hold hands and surround the entire gathering and sing. And uh, we would sing, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Now, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's actually a song based on a scripture. It comes from Numbers. It comes from Numbers uh, 6, verse 24 through 26. Here's, here's what that says. And you might have heard this blessing before. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And of course, it, it concludes with a, with a many-fold amen that just resonates and soars and everybody cries and it's fantastic, right? Uh, but one of the interesting things about it is, um, you know, I, I, I always actually was third row in peace and so I would end up right over here every single concert and, and, and imagine if I'm next to the curtain right next to all of those folks over there singing that close to them. And I remember as you're singing, the conductor's in the front and, and, and conducting the choir, but as the choir is being conducted, not one of the members of the choir are actually watching the conductor. He's just there for show. Because as we're singing, we're looking out upon those that are gathered, and it seems as though one at a time making eye contact and having a moment of connection and of intimacy that uh, created profound emotional experience that I've had rarely had matched. And I remember multiple occasions where I would connect with someone who was connecting with these words of blessing, and as they were experienced this blessing, you could see the emotion on their face, that, that they had this rich, visceral spiritual need to receive this blessing in their soul and 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 as they received this blessing they 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 just were overwhelmed with with the movement of the holy spirit i remember looking upon their faces as i'm singing and them connecting back with me and me having that same experience that they were having almost in a spiritual empathy as our eyes connected and the blessing was sung over the entire space. There's part of that blessing that was particularly potent to me, always has been, always will be. It says, um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord's face shine on you. And as we would sing that, we were face to face in intimate connection. And I couldn't help but, but wonder, am I seeing the face of God upon the person I'm singing to? And was I blessed in some way or measure to have the opportunity for them to look upon my face and by some miracle see the face of God as well? What does it mean for God's face to shine on you? That, 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 a, that, that a face can actually like light up. I think that we, we don't quite have the capacity to grasp uh, Jesus' teaching on light. 
over and over, over through scripture, uh, Jesus teaches on light. Uh, it's one of his favorite teachings to talk about light and to talk about the power of light. After all, Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, he says me, my very presence, I am light uh, incarnate, the light of God in me for all the world. I'm not just light for you. I'm not just light for those uh, disciples that are getting to hear my voice. I'm light of the world forevermore, eternally. And so Jesus teaches on light in such profound ways, but we miss it. We don't get it. Why do we fail to grasp the power of light? It's because we have electricity. <laughs> right? Like, your kid says, Mommy, Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. And what do you do? You don't say, suck it up, kid. It's part of life. No. You get the little plug and you plug it in. Or, or Sam, Sam has a really fancy one. It's like this globe thing, and it, you push the button, and it changes colors, and it has all these variations of colors, and it shines light, like, boom! And I'm like, man, how do you sleep in this? It's not even close to dark in this room. He likes the rainbow uh, light because it shines like 13 different colors all over the room. It's crazy. We don't grasp Jesus' teachings on light because we have electricity. It's never really dark in Houston, in the woodlands. I mean, if you, if you go outside, uh, you might get a little bit of dark, but for the most part, you got street lights and you got the ambient light from all the houses, you got the porch lights, you got the lights from the cars, you got the lights from the city glowing. Have you ever been driving like down I-10 back to Houston from San Antonio at night and like you get to a certain point and it's way before Katy, right? You get to a certain point and you're like, Houston's on the horizon because there's this like aura of glow from all of the electricity that Houston's putting out. We don't grasp the power of light. But think about light whenever light didn't have electricity. Whenever all the light that Jesus is talking about comes from either fire, a candle, or burning oil. And for the most part, if you're in a city, you're not dealing with the actual fire, like a wood-burning fire. You're dealing with candles and oil. And so like Jesus teaches a, a number of times just on this one, uh, just on this one uh, example, uh, who gets a light and puts it under a bushel. And like I don't think we, 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 we put that together. If it's a candle or if it's an oil lamp and you put it under a bushel, what would happen? Like first of all, if it's an oil lamp, what would happen if you put it under a bushel? It would, it would like, like burn up. Or if you put it under a bowl, as many translators believe the translation is more commonly uh, and accurately articulating, if you put it under a bowl, either an oil lamp or a candle would snuff out. You remember the little snuffers? Like, and, 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 you, and you snuff the light out, and then it just starts smoking underneath, and then you know that the light's out? I was an acolyte growing up, and that was the thing. They always told us when it starts smoking out the bottom, then you could lift the snuffer up. Some of you don't know what acolytes are. Ask your mommy and daddy, or ask your grandparents. That's okay. Um, uh, so, so this whole vision that Jesus is putting before us, it says no one, 
not one person gathered here, none of us, would light the light and put it under a bowl or put it in a cellar. What do you do with the light? You find the point in the room that can create the most light for everyone. You know, you're not constrained now by a plug. You don't have to put it in the corner for decor. Uh, it's more like the ceiling fan up top in the middle of the room at the very top, pointing light to everyone in the room. That's what you do if you have a light. He said, you don't put it under a bowl, but you put it in the middle so everyone can see. But then Jesus in this teaching, it, 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 it doesn't, like in, in Matthew's gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, if you hear this same kind of example, Jesus then goes on to talk about salt of the earth and light of the world, right? But he doesn't go there in, in Luke's gospel. What he, what he does instead is he goes to a, a, a very personal way that light can function. And it says, your eye is the lamp of your body. Okay, your eye is the lamp of your body. Sometimes Jesus teaches about his parables and sometimes he leaves them hanging for you to figure out. He teaches about this. He says, if you light a light, you put it in the middle for everyone to see and in that same way, your eye is the lamp of your body. Well, what in the world <laughs> does that mean? I, I, I think it, 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 you know, if we, if we think about how our eyes function, and how dominant our vision is. If you, have, uh, if you have all of your faculties about you, your vision is the strongest for creating any sort of response. Uh, we don't really understand how strong our hearing can be unless we are blind. Uh, and it takes a long period of time for your ears to adjust to how much can be processed through your ears because we function primarily with our eyes. And I think that when, when Jesus talks about your eyes, the lamp of, the, of your body, he probably is, is wanting us to understand that, that that lamp can shine in and can also shine out. So first I want to I talk about what it means for that lamp to shine in. Uh, because you will go throughout your lives and, and the things that you see and the way in which you receive them will do something to your soul. You will be impacted on the inside based on the way in which you see the world. I mean, we could just start with, with, with the baseline kind of concept that, that when you see something, you can experience jealousy. You can covet. You could experience anger or frustration. When you see something, you could experience temptation or lust. When you see something, it has power in your soul. Or, when you see something, you could be filled with compassion, a desire for relationship, a holy spiritual empathy. You could be moved for justice and good, for righteousness. When you see something, it can impact your soul. So what is this eye? Is it healthy or is it unhealthy? Is it light or is it darkness? What is feeding your soul? And, and what impact does that have on your life? What is going in? You see, in Matthew 18, 9, it, it, it talks about the, the power of your eyes. And here's what it says in Matthew 18, 9, when it comes up. It's almost there. Everything fell asleep. Matthew 18, 9 says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it shall be done 
uh, for you and my, for my Father in heaven. Actually, it's Matthew 18, 9, not 18, 19. So I'm gonna get there. And wow, Jesus let me flip there really quickly. It says, and if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the, uh, into the fires of hell. So if your eye is producing darkness in your life, if that lamp is snuffed out, if, 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 if the light of Christ, if Jesus is not shining through your eye into your soul, it's better for you to not even have an eye. I prefer to, to, to work on seeing things differently than plucking my eye out. That seems kind of gruesome and painful. Uh, and, and there are movies that show those procedures and it makes me squeamish. Uh, but rather than plucking your eye out, what is it to look on the world and let your eyes be the lamp lit for your body? I think it's mostly about asking that God would give you kingdom vision, that you would have his eyes. Because he, he of course, uh, sees those things that are painful, where there is loss, where there, where, where there is, uh, where, where great horrors exist in this world. Of course, God sees all those things. But what does that do on the inside? Does that give you anger or want you to participate in those things or does that then move you into some holy action so you see the world as God sees it? Does it give you a matter of holiness or does it tear you down? What does it mean for you to have that light shine in? And what does it mean for it to shine out as well? What does it mean for, for your eyes to shine out? Uh, I don't have to do the exercise, but, but I could sit here and cover up my face except for my eyes. And I, could, and I could ask you, am I smiling? Am I frowning? Am I indifferent? Am I indignant? Am I bored? All of these things your eyes can, can say, can't they? My mama used to say, your eyes are a window to your soul. You ever heard that? Your mom ever tell you that? Someone's told you that because it's true. It's true. Have you ever seen someone with shifty eyes? Do you trust them? Of course not. Because if you have shifty eyes, then more than likely, you're lying. Have you ever seen someone's eyes glazed over? I hopefully don't see any of your eyes glazed over right now. Because what does that mean if your eyes are glazed over? It means you're bored. You're done with it. You're indifferent. Your eyes can tell all of that. You know, you know someone. I know you know someone that has joyful eyes, right? Like you, like you look at them. And you want to be around them because just their eyes make you happier, right? You see the joy in their life shining through their eyes and you want to participate in that. Give me all of that, right? 
What can you see through your eyes? I also hear uh, often folks talk about, oh, he has kind eyes, or she has kind eyes. It's so hard to quantify, isn't it? But, but I'll see someone interact with my five-year-old Sam. So Sam is a handful. He is, he, he, he is full of energy and life. And every once in a while, I'll see someone interact with him and they'll bend down on his level and they'll speak to him in a manner of grace. But I don't even need to hear the words that are coming out of their mouths. I could actually just look at their eyes and see how kind they are. Your eyes can also express anger and fear, worry and concern. Your eyes are the lamp of your body, shining in, feeding your soul by the way you see the world, but also shining out, offering the world of that measure back in return. When I was in high school and junior high, I was, uh, I was a United Methodist growing up, and we had something called UMYF. That's what we used to call it. Uh, UMYF was United Methodist Youth Fellowship, okay? So that means uh, a whole lot of gibberish to this generation because every youth group has a really cool name like the Summit uh, or Base Camp or something awesome. Uh, but when we were growing up, it was all just UMYF. And so we would gather for UMYF, and, and I... I I remember a certain point at the end of UMYF, we would get together, and uh, it, was, it was at the end, we've had our lesson, we played our game, uh, we've learned what we're going to learn, and we gather up, and we all get in a circle. Every single one of us, we get in a circle. And uh, Aiden and Addie, come here, come here, come on, wake up. Your eyes were glazed, come here, come on. So, so they've never done this because they, they, they have not grown up going to UMYF. But at the end of, of, of youth, we would say to everybody, right over left, right over left. And it meant put your right hand over your left hand and hold hands. And we would hold hands like this. And then my youth director, every single week, would say the same thing. He said, we're going to close with prayer. We're going to close in blessing. And this is a special kind of prayer. Most of the time when you pray, you close your eyes. And you look down as a humble sign that you're acknowledging God. But this is a prayer of blessing. And so when you offer this prayer, what you're gonna do is you're gonna look up at others and you're gonna look at them in the eye. I cannot believe that I got y'all up here. Is this fun? <laughs> All right, they're super humiliated. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip to the end and then go back to the teaching. And so at the very end of the blessing, what we would do is we would turn out like this and our hands would still be held together. All right, can y'all give them a hand? They're gonna go sit down, all right. Oh my gosh. Mama's gonna get onto me for that one. Uh, so, so, at, so UMYF, we'd gather up in the circle, and the youth director, we would say, right over left, right over left, because we would always have guests, we'd always have friends there, and people didn't know what we were about to do, and we'd go right over left, we'd hold hands, and we'd be in a big old circle, and the youth director would stand there, and they would say, this is a prayer of blessing. You look at, them, look at one another in the eye. You do not close your eyes during this blessing. And then you know what we would say? We'd say the same thing that the Center and College Choir did. We would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
And as we said those words, we said it looking each other in the eye as a blessing, light shared from one to another. And I didn't get this whenever I was younger, uh, but as I grew, as I became a Christian and I was older in high school, I figured it out. See, what we were doing was we, we, we were crossing right over left so that we could look and we could share that blessing in the eye one to another, and we could look out uh, upon our friends and upon our, our, our fellow classmates, and we could bless them. But then at the end of that prayer, when we said amen, we turned out. And as we turned out, it was a sign and symbol that you are blessing one another here, but you're called to be a blessing to the world. You just experienced the light of Christ in the eyes of your neighbors. Now go forth and be that light for others. What does it mean that your, aunt, your, your eye is the lamp of your body. It means that it shines in and it shines out for all to see. May your light shine this week.